0: Yeah, no, he well, didn't. no,
1: no, he oh, didn't. Yeah. Somebody said that he had the greatest season as a Cavalier. And that that's right. That,
0: that guy. a very well established, but not on a poster host of a certain uh, thing said that <laughs> one time in his life. <laughs> what but point is we have someone to get to. We have a very special guest joining us now. It's a blast from the past. It is our only the one, the only fantasy expert we listen to. And that is <laughs> Dave Richard. Dave, long time no see, my man. How you been?
2: I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Good,
3: Dave. How's it going? Did you freeze? Did Dave, freeze? Yep. yep. Right off, t- yeah, Dave off froze, top. Dave froze.
0: Literally said one word. He hated it so much it locked him out and froze. Uh, uh, give him one. S- oh, no, he's back. Dave's back. We got him. I want to know
3: who. Hello, hello. It's unfrozen. You're on that take was
0: so good, Dave, that it froze our system.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how my takes go. Yeah. Are
3: Dave, you? it's that time of the year. Everybody's going crazy. Jay Jettas. Uh, you got dread and things have changed so much since when you start, start first started. As a fantasy analyst, and I've known you for I don't know twelve years, something like that, whatever. Yeah, really long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even way before that, like it used to be, everybody kind of played the same way. Twenty years ago, you everybody kind of had the same rules. Maybe you went, maybe you went with a second. Even I don't even think there were second quarterbacks really back then. It was really just PPR and non PPR was the only thing. Now there's so much variety between the you know two quarterbacks or a super flex, if you will, Uh, dynasty, best ball, uh, keeper leagues. It's crazy. When you write or you make your rankings and stuff like that, do you just do uh, one list or do you have to do one for keeper, one for dynasty, one for two quarterbacks? I mean, it's very complicated now.
2: It used to be, like you said, in Fantasy baseball used to be the crazy one. Now football is starting to catch up. Yeah. Now my primary rankings, I've got two sets. I've got PPR and non-PPR, and they're for redraft leagues. so just the upcoming season. I, I think we need to do more of that, and I think there should be more of that. I just need to figure out a way to do it more efficiently. But there, there is absolutely a growing appetite for change in fantasy football. Uh, I hear about super flex leagues all the time. Dynasty leagues are growing by the year. Uh, I was just in Canton for, for a fantasy football event. And, yes, there is such a thing as a fantasy football event. That's right. I was pitched on the idea of a GM league where you have to operate as if you are a true GM. There's a salary cap. You have to balance it. There's trades. That has to be fair as well. Just It's, it's crazy where fantasy football can gross to still. That hasn't necessarily been there yet. But for the majority of the people, at least who play on CBS Bowl, they they play in redraft leagues. They keep it simple. It's a fun way to stay in touch with friends. It's a fun way to compete against coworkers or family. You get the idea. That's still the majority of fantasy leagues as we sit here today.
3: Speaking of which, we are doing the second year of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show Fantasy League. You see my trophy there. It's not in front of me right now because I normally sit in that seat. But I am the defending champion. Mickey Mouse championship.
0: Mickey Mouse championship. Why is it a Mickey Mouse championship? Because you won. (laughs) There's my
3: championship. I I plan to win it again. Now, in fairness, G. Bush is sitting next to me. He really had the best team. He had the best team but, he, but his team choked in the playoffs Cooper when it Cup, mattered. Cooper Cup gets injured. Cooper Cup's injury hurt you. And it hurts yeah. me a lot. But he was gone long before the
4: playoffs, though. And, and, and that, that brings me to it, you know, I think it like this. Like, is there is there an undervalued position? Before, they, you know, people used to tell you, hey, stay away from tight ends. You can get one in the waiver wire. Um, now you look at it, and, and if you can get one, you know, they can really pay dividends, especially late in the season. Or things like wide receivers are the new running backs. You know, running backs used to be go off the board. Are there any receivers now Hmm. where you would consider just those guys are are completely head and shoulders above the running backs and you want to take those guys available right now?
2: Well, it depends on your league scoring first and foremost. I think it's been made perfectly clear, certainly over the last couple of seasons, that the NFL uh, is not only throwing at a higher clip than they're used to, but they're spreading the ball around with the exception of receivers that are just dominant at their position. So while guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are on pace for double digit targets per game, there's a bunch of other receivers that aren't even close to that because they have to share with other wideouts on their team. You can look at the Bucks receivers as an example of that. Still getting a lot of targets for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but not necessarily the same type of amount as you'll see from the elite types of wide receivers. And in PPR leagues, the top 12 of the position outscored running backs from wide receiver to running back. Uh, Success rate, higher for wide receivers than it is for running backs. Even number two wide receivers versus number two running backs, better for wide receivers. And of course, you can predict that in a non-PPR league, wait on quarterback, don't take one early. Now I I, kind of see the case to be made for Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen to be round two picks. I still wouldn't take them in round one. But in round two, I think you absolutely have to take them. Those are the types of moves that are changing in fantasy. And then the last point I'll make, is that when you get, there's going to be a point in your draft, and it might be round four, where everybody kind of looks the same. And, mm. and at that point, you have to go with the players who you think, in your mind, yeah. can break out and be big time this year. Yeah. And it, it might have to take something completely unforeseen for it to happen, like an injury, something like that. Uh, and it could also go the other way, where that player that you drafted gets injured or takes a step back in production, and it kind of hurts your team a little bit. But there's going to come a point in a draft where you're going to need to figure out a way to differentiate between players that look the same. Mm. I think that's just something that every fantasy manager has to figure out before they go into their drafts.
1: Dave, it's two wide receivers, since we're talking about wide receivers. there's two wide receivers that, you know, kind of didn't have a up, up and down years. One got hurt. Cooper Cup, is he still considered a first-round pick to you? And where do you see DeAndre Hopkins? You know, I'm trying to plan my attack,
2: you know. I like it. I like it. Uh, I think the majority of fantasy managers see what Cooper Cup has done. over the last two seasons with Matthew Stafford, and they will race to it. Uh, There's potentially could be the number one receiver in fantasy. Better points per game than even Justin Jefferson last year when he was on the field. Everybody's going to be a little hesitant because he got hurt last year. He had the hamstring pull in training camp already. I know he's starting to practice again. Stafford's healthy, and this is a different type of Rams team. Their defense isn't going to be as good, so they should be chasing points a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he led the league in targets this year, certainly Mm. targets per game. Could be as high as 12 targets per game. Wow. I just think that he's going to continue to get open. He's kind of used the same way. Well, actually, it's, it's more like this. Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey are kind of used the same way that Cooper cup has been used in L.A. That's been the copycat that we've seen from those other teams. And I just see Cooper Cup as, as a clear first-round pick, especially in PPR, maybe, maybe late round one in non-PPR. You asked about DeAndre Hopkins he's also been on a diet of 10 t- targets per game. I almost said 10 touchdowns. That would make him the number one pick. Mm. 10 targets per game. Uh, in Arizona, he had it. In Houston, he had it. I don't think he gets there in Tennessee. The Titans have really proven over the years that they love Derrick Henry and they want to run the football. That's an example of what I was talking about a few minutes ago. If Derrick Henry were to become ineffective or get hurt, then I think DeAndre Hopkins would go right back to that 10 target per game range. He would be worth a very good pick. But Derrick Henry is half cyborg. He rarely gets hurt, and he's been dominant even in terrible situations around his team. So I don't see DeAndre Hopkins quite getting there. I like him in in mid to late round four in PPR, maybe closer to round five in non-PPR. Very nervous about the amount of touchdowns Hopkins will score. Hey, Dave, we talk about Nick Chubb here as
0: much as I think any player gets talked about in any market around the country. We love Nick Chubb. We think he's unquestionably the best back in the NFL in terms of on the field on Sundays with what actually happens. The ball almost spit up Is what I wasn't sure what he was trying to do there. But when you look at it from a fantasy perspective? I'm out of control. Is Nick Chubb a top 2-3 running back? I know he's not the same catches as McCaffrey, but he's so damn good. Is, is he not a top 2 or 3 running back in fantasy terms?
2: No. Look, don't hang up on me. I'm going to say no. Uh, and it, it really comes down to what I kind of felt like I saw in that first preseason game against the commanders and where I think this offense is going. And that's really more what it's about is the direction of Cleveland's offense. Deshaun Watson looked comfortable. He said after the game, I asked him a question about it. I was there. I asked him a question about whether or not he's more comfortable this year. He said he's way more comfortable. And so I would expect this offense to do something it hasn't done yet under Kevin Stefanski. And that's throw the ball close to like 57% of the time. And that's not even going to be, that'll be like league average this year. And I still think that there's room for that to even go up. I think they ride Deshaun Watson a little bit more. And I don't think that necessarily means that that Nick Chubb's going to be completely out of the game plan. I think he can still see three targets per game. He had that on average in 2019, probably a higher target per game average when Kareem Hunt wasn't on the Browns at that time. But I, I do worry about Nick Chubb being exactly as good or better than he was last year. And last year was a career year for him. Over 1,700 total yards, 13 touchdowns. Uh, the guy is an electric running back. I just feel like in this era of fantasy, there are a few running backs that have a higher ceiling than him. And and, and I, that's just what I worry about. Like McCaffrey, I'd rather have him. Eckler would rather have him. Uh, I've, I've had a chance to see B. John Robinson in person. I'd rather have him. I think he's going to catch more passes. Where I really get hung up on with Chubb is versus Saquon Barkley in New York, Tony Pollard in Dallas. You could make the case for Chubb over those guys, and that would make him the number four running back in fantasy. I look at him as someone that you're going to take with, a with like, a top seven pick in non-PPR leagues because I'm sure about those carries. I think he's going to get a, the majority, obviously. But in PPR, I, I still worry about him getting maybe 35 to 40 over the course of the season, and that's not bad. But you're usually looking for, in round one, a running back to get 60-plus catches over the yeah. of the season. Dave, you talk about
3: uh, DeAndre Hopkins, doesn't matter who he's playing with. That's the case with some guys, but I, I definitely factor it. Like I look at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I, with, with Baker as their quarterback, I'm staying away. I, I, don't want, I don't want Kyle Pitts and Drake London because I don't trust their quarterback situation. I don't want Terry McLaurin because I don't trust Washington's situation. Mm. How how big a factor is it for you the teams that have the bad quarterback situations, especially the wide receivers on those teams?
2: Well, first of all, I do think that that DeAndre Hopkins does fall into this bucket I'm okay. talking about because he, he's catch he's caught passes in the past from, from some pretty bad quarterbacks, but he's also caught passes from Deshaun Watson, yeah. Tyler Murray, and those guys I think are pretty good quarterbacks, especially compared to Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's serviceable; he's probably better than that. I'm probably downgrading. I just think that the offense in Tennessee doesn't tailor itself to helping Deshaun or DeAndre rather having a big year. You can see where my mind's at. I'm still thinking about the Browns. Uh, We are seeing quite a different type of ADP for Mike Evans, just as an example, this year compared to prior years. And you could throw Chris Godwin on that list. You could throw Michael Pittman on that list out in Indianapolis now that they've got a rookie QB there. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you on McLaurin. His ADP is a little bit lower. What if I told you you could get all the receivers that I just named in late round five or later in full PPR, whereas Evans previously was like a round three pick. Godwin yeah, right. was a round three pick. McLaurin last year, I think he was a round four pick. Pittman last year, a round four or a round five pick. Fantasy managers have picked up on this. And I the, the, the other thing that I think about, and this is how my mind works, is last year, Nobody wanted a piece of the Seahawks wide receivers because everybody was scared that Geno Smith was going to be awful. And Geno ended up being great. Lockett was better than Metcalf. Both of them were over 13 PPR points per game. And they helped fantasy managers because they were such great values on draft day. That's true. I'm kind of leaning in that direction in the case of Godwin and Evans. I know that Baker Mayfield isn't a great quarterback, but those guys are going to change their roles a little bit in this offense. And I think Baker can hit him on short area stuff. I think Baker will actually look for Mike Evans inside the 10-yard line, and that will really help him out. So I'm I'm with those guys, and I'm with Pitts too, because I saw Kyle Pitts last year getting wide open a ton, and Marcus Mariota couldn't hit him. I've seen Desmond Ritter practice in person this offseason. I'm not going to say that he looks great, but I think he's an upgrade on Marcus Mariota. And so that makes me hopeful that Kyle Pitts, especially at his depressed ADP, he also is getting drafted in late round five. I think he's worth taking a chance on in that range.
4: Uh, Dave, I had uh, Jalen Hurts. I went on a limb and drafted him, and uh, he showed up and showed out. Um, it, uh, what is his ceiling his this year? Is, is he, um, between him and Mahomes, the, the number one pick? Or what are some other guys who you think um, could be a dual-threat quarterback um, sneakily that can have really good years, kind of like Jalen Hurts did last year? Love this question. I don't know if there's
2: anybody that can have a year quite like Jalen Hurts had last year, but I'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about Hurts first. If your league counts four points for passing touchdowns, but six points for rushing touchdowns, Hurts is the number one quarterback in fans. I think Philadelphia will actually be in more competitive games this year. I don't think they're going to be able to just steamroll their way with the ground game to a bunch of victories. And I think they'll want to flaunt those wide receivers that they have. And Jalen Hurts has looked outstanding in camp for the second year in a row. The secret's out on him. He's turned out to be an amazing quarterback, and he will be great in fantasy. In six-point for passing touchdown leagues, only Mahomes is ahead of him. I have Josh Allen one spot behind Jalen Hurts because I expect Jalen Hurts to keep that rushing production going, and that includes touchdowns. Remember, they lo- they gave up on Miles Sanders. He's in Carolina now. And they added DeAndre Swift, who's more of a pass-catching back. I could see Hurts running for more touchdowns this year than Mm. he had last year. Mm. And I think he can be a better thrower this year than he was last year. So I'm all about Jalen Hurts. Every time I'm in round three in my drafts and he's there, I take him. It doesn't matter what I need. Uh, I'm never taking really a quarterback in round two. Love Jalen Hurts and love the upside. Who is the next Jalen Hurts? I'm looking at Indianapolis and Anthony Richardson. And this this is where I say he's not going to be as good as Jalen Hurts last year. But he might be as good as Jalen Hurts two seasons ago. When Hertz was a top 12 fantasy quarterback on a points per game basis, we know that Richardson can run. Um, I I, I don't love the interception that he threw in the first preseason game, but I don't think that's on him. I think the receiver ran a bad route. There were two throws that Richardson made. One was a dart. It was like 20 yards to his tight end. He threw it over a linebacker's head. It was accurate. It was amazing. And then he also had a deep bomb to Alec Pierce, that Pierce dropped. If Pierce catches that for a touchdown, then the whole world is going to race after Anthony Richardson but he didn't, and so fantasy managers didn't see him score that touchdown. They didn't hear about it on social media, and they're not as interested in Anthony Richardson. You can get him after 100th overall in fantasy drafts. Mm. I personally would take him before that because he's got so much upside, Mm. and I would pair him with a veteran quarterback who you know you can get like 20 fantasy points from, like Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Geno Smith I think I would pair him with and just have two quarterbacks going in the season, one with huge upside in Richardson, and one who's got a safe floor like one of the veteran quarterbacks. That's the guy that I would say could be the next Jalen Hurts. It could take a little while, but he's the one that just has that rushing profile, like very few quarterbacks in fantasy. Dave, I got two questions
1: for you. One is because Steve Becker wants to know, what's your thoughts okay. on Elijah Moore? Secondly... Out of all of the rookie-wide receivers, which one do you trust to have the biggest upside in fantasy this year?
2: In fantasy this year, it's Jordan Addison. I think he can That's head over 1,000 yards. I think he could have some touchdowns. You like that, don't That's you? That's what I said. I, I I moved him up in my rankings today. He is a top 30 receiver for me in PPR. Just because he if he's taking over the spot that Adam Thielen at. Thielen was getting seven targets per game. And, you know, Thielen's a great route runner, but he's not fast. Addison's a great round runner, and he's fast, and he's got good hands. And I think that the Vikings are going to be one of like three teams this year that might throw the ball 700 times. I think the Chargers are another team that could do that, by the way. And, of course, Kansas City always, Buffalo are are other teams. So more than three teams, I guess. But Jordan Addison is somebody that I'm starting to really get excited about and starting to even reach for a little bit. Ahead of the Steelers wide receivers, ahead of Hollywood Brown, and, yes, ahead of Mike Evans even. And I like Mike Evans like Jordan Addison Moore in PPR. Uh, the other receiver that you asked me about was Elijah Moore. I love that he lined up in the backfield and on the first snap of the Browns preseason. Could, could the Browns be looking at Elijah Moore as their low rent version of Debo Samuel? Are they trying to create that type of mismatch in their offense with Moore? This kid was exciting when he came out of college and his practices in New York as a rookie Uh, We're drawing all kinds of attention. I had people texting me from New York saying, Elijah Moore is really the best receiver that the Jets have had in years. I made him like my sleeper of the summer. And then he went out and he had a drop and a concussion in his first game. And he never really put it all together. But he's getting an opportunity to put it together now. He's got Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. I think that that's a really good thing. I love the idea of going up to get him. Mm -hmm. He's also somebody that I would take before 100th overall in fantasy drafts, which means we're talking round eight maybe around nine, yeah. in that same range as Skymore, in that okay. same range as okay. Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay.
4: So that's where you go. Thank, yeah. thank you, Tybus Dave. you. this is going thank crazy. Thank you, Dave. He was doing victory as, laps. As if you just said he was is, a superstar. Yeah. Because
3: we had a discussion earlier about who, if a Browns player was lost for the season besides Watson – what would be the biggest loss? He said a lot we said Miles Garrett, which seemed like the obvious answer. And he said Elijah Moore is the second most important player on the Browns. Not from a fantasy standpoint, just from an NFL standpoint, we said he was nuts.
2: Uh, let's see. Garrett would be second. Yeah. Chubb might be third. I, I don't even know if he's fourth. I don't
0: oh. even know if he's eighth. No, to be honest with you. he's not he's even not
2: the, the most Browns important support. receiver. Okay. Yeah, about like Cooper, you know what? Yeah. He's oh, an all important part. He's, he's important. He's what about Otero. Antonio? Hold yeah. on. Joe, Joe yeah, Antonio's that's true. Out. That's a big loss. Dave, he's, I got to
3: get a couple of things in. We'll talk more about this later. Uh, Dave, in a in a super flex league, how many cor- like where would you have to be drafting in the first round before you go away from quarterback and take Justin Jefferson? Ninth.
2: Nice. Maybe that low, of, huh? That I Listen, this is just one of my philosophies when it comes to leagues where you can start two quarterbacks. Yeah. You absolutely should start two quarterbacks and you should certainly do your best to get two very good quarterbacks on your team. I, if I, have if I have here, listen, I've got my quarterback rankings right in front of me. Yeah. Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow, Fields, Lamar, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Those yeah. are my first eight picks. I don't, I, I will take it in, in a super flex. I will take all eight of those guys before Justin Jefferson. Nine is Deshaun. I don't know if I can take Deshaun over Jefferson, and I don't know if I have to because Deshaun might make it back to me in round two. And That's if he true. doesn't, then someone like Tua or Dak, Cousins, they'll, they'll make it back to me in round two. But in, in that type of draft, I try and get two quarterbacks with my first three picks. Are you t- so you're saying Mahomes number one overall, if
3: it's six points for a passing touchdown, Hurts number one overall if it's four points. I mean, it's a coin flip between those two anyway. But
2: no,
3: nope. I mean, not if
2: not if rushing is is uh favor because yeah. Mahomes just doesn't run as much as Hurts or
4: Allen. Are there any guys uh that you can draft and get a bargain on that you would stash? Maybe an Alvin Kamara, maybe somebody who uh, you know, you're thinking about you like, ooh, last year I took Deshaun Watson, and put him on my bench. And end up being the keeper league. So I have him this year. Is there anybody Mark. that you would would kind of stash and just say he may be a rookie or a quarterback might not be up to speed, but like middle of the season, I think he'll come around. We'll put him on my bench is a guy that can potentially make a uh, splash.
2: Sure. The, the very first name that popped into my head is Roshan Johnson of the Chicago Bears. Loved how he looked in the first preseason game, saw him practice in June and the, the co- even though he wasn't really practicing with the starters in june coaching staff loved him and i think he's going to get an opportunity to to be he might be the number two running back in that offense week one he might be the number one running back in this offense by halloween he's a really good player he's a three down player very physical and chicago certainly would love to have somebody like that and his efficiency would spike if he's playing the majority of the snaps with justin fields so that was the first thing that came to my mind here's two more one at different positions in L.A. with the Chargers, Quentin Johnston mm. is, is, is somebody that I'm starting to target for my benches because I, I think he's already going to see in the neighborhood of four targets per game, and he's got big play potential, and this is an offense I already said, they're candidates to throw 700 times this year. Keenan Allen's over 30 years old. Mike Williams has had a hard time staying healthy. Johnston could replace either of those guys mm. if it came down to it in that offense and work as an every down receiver. With Justin Herbert as his quarterback, I really like that fit. And long-term, he could end up being the best receiver in this draft. So he's somebody that I'm absolutely looking for in that type of scenario. And then in Buffalo, tight end, Dalton Kincaid uh, really just started training camp on fire with the Bills. He played five snaps in their first preseason game, didn't have any targets, blocked on three of the plays, chucked a defender to set a pick on another play. I think they're hiding him in plain sight. I think that there's a very real chance that he's the number two target getter in that offense behind mm. Stephon Diggs as soon as this season. Man. Tybus, you got a quick one. Wrap us up with it. Quick-
1: Jameer, Jameer Gibbs for the Lions. Where you got him? What is he?
2: Tell me. Depends on the format. If it's PPR, I think he's worth taking late round three, early round four, somewhere in that range. Another young player who could start the year in a part-time role with his offense and then by Halloween be the lead guy because he's so explosive. He's such a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He is an upgrade for them over DeAndre Swift. And Swift was averaging more than 13 PPR points per game last year for Detroit. So I absolutely think that he can be worth that type of investment, a top 40 pick, if you will, in PPR leagues. A little bit lower than that in non-PPR, but still somebody that fantasy managers should be very excited about. Dave, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Thanks. Great seeing you, Bull. Good seeing everybody else, too. All right, except, Dave. Except there I you know. go.
3: Dave Richards, fantasy football season is here. Check him out, cbsports.com He does a great job. Great columns, rankings, all that stuff. Mikey McNuggets.
0: Dave's our favorite. Real quick, and Dave had talked about winning fantasy championships. He helped Bull win his last year. He helped me finish in last, even though that was my fault. Not Dave's, but as part of that, we're going to try hooking up Dave with some Browns gear for the upcoming season. And if we're doing that, you know we're going to be using the promo code fanatics.com slash UCSS, buying all our gear with that link to help us help Dave out Helps us out in the back end. We appreciate you guys. So what you waiting for? Don't be non-swaggy. Be as swaggy as you can for the Browns season. Fanatics has all your best Browns gear moving forward. And with that, it is the return of Coach Tyvis. Tyvis, before we get into the Ronnie Hickman film, have you missed the Coach Tivis role? Have you missed doing these kind of things for us in the UCSS audience?
1: Have I missed it? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, I always enjoy being able to educate and teach people things
0: about the game of football I mean that's just kind of the person that I am now so yeah I missed it. Well we are excited to have you back we're going to do a lot more coach Tyvis during the football season and today Tavis, tell us people who we're breaking down. <laughs> we are breaking
1: down a former Buckeye you know safety near and dear to my heart the position safety ronnie hickman who had a really big game yeah it was he had two good plays but he also had a bad play so i'll talk about those three plays in totality
0: yeah let's get to it Uh, here's the first one it was the first interception of the game for ronnie hickman just before the half tyvis walk us through this
1: okay so they come out it looks like they in cover three you know, it's your typical cover three. You got your hook droppers underneath. You got your buzz players. You got your corners on the top and you got Ronnie Hickman who's playing in the post. And the thing that I like about this is, you know, he's reading the quarterback. He's getting his depth. When you're playing when you're playing at that post safety, the number one thing you want to do is you have to read the front tip of a of a quarterback's shoulder. And I'm giving y'all classified information. Y'all make sure y'all tell y'all kids about this too. If you read the front tip of your quarterback, he tells you where he's going with the ball and the way his shoulder. If his shoulder is up is going deep if it's flat that means it's something short if you look at this quarterback he's it's turned to the middle is cocked up like he's throwing it deep so you know to get back Roddy hickman does a great job of getting back there making a play on the ball playing center field and he makes a great play on this ball would like him to be a little bit more deeper I think he got got caught a little bit looking in that backfield and let people get past him because you got to be the last line of defense but he was able to come through and make a play on the ball so it's, it all worked out from there Give credit credit to the pass
0: rush, too. We have the second angle of this, Thivis, so we'll play that for the people here. Anthony, you can take that. This is the All-22 version, Thivis, if you want to walk us through what you're seeing here as well. So you get a great
1: pass rush. Boom. He sees the guy. You You see how at the beginning of that clip, he see they put that they put that tight end or that slot receiver. They run him down the middle and they sit him down. And Ronnie Hickman does a, he does a job of settling his feet. You can't do that. You see right there he settles his feet. You cannot do that. They put the cheese in his face to try to throw that post behind him. He has to be disciplined enough to know that that's the hook player's player. He is to get deep, and if he does that, then he won't have to worry about, you know, this running underneath it. He'd be standing there, and it'd be essentially a punt return. But he still makes a good play on the ball and, and gets the interception and gets it down.
3: How much of a chance do we think he has of making the team?
1: Well, after, this, after I mean, Bubba, after, after Bubba Bowling went down, and after making two plays like this, if he finds some value on special teams, he will absolutely make this 53-man roster.
4: Told you. Hmm. Hickman, and uh, uh, by the way, I like the fact that he played it in the center field and he was able to track the football. See a lot of these DBs be around here looking around like, oh, I took a bad angle at it. I like the fact that he got back there, cut the run off, and, and, and he, he got to work on his return skills.
1: No, he got he got tackled as soon as he yeah, touched he cla- it. But the cla- thing, like I said, it's good. It's not great because yeah. the great part of it be he wouldn't have been enticed by that guy sitting down. He would have been in the post, and like I said, if he was where he was supposed to be to begin with, it would have been essentially him catching the punt return. and He could have took off and got yards. But he able he got great makeup speed and he played the ball really well and made a play on it. So that would be the next yeah. step to not bite the cheese
3: so most teams keep how many corners five six
1: he's corners a See, please play safety hi and they keep four no. five <laughs> five corners for safety
3: that's a bad job out of me yeah. uh okay so how many saf- four safeties right
1: five four safeties
3: all right so we got delpit we got thornhill mcleod you have your three locks yeah mcleod and then, and then you up got up the anthony easy. bell or him or him what about Tanner McAllister? We don't know him. He's we don't know o- who o- he is. He's from Ohio State. He's like,
1: he played like nickel.
3: He's an Ohio State guy, too, He huh? played nickel at Ohio State.
1: So it's Hickman and DeAnthony Bell. Yep. Because yep. I haven't seen Tanner even out there, no, actually. No, no Okay.
4: Min-
0: <laughs> so that was the first interception for Ronnie Hickman. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I'd say, the easier of the two. The second one was a hell of a play on the ball. And, yeah. obviously, we have two different mm-hmm. angles of that play. So you want to break that down for the people, Let's he see said, that, Anthony, take the second yeah. play, and Tyvis yeah. take it away.
1: <laughs> so this one is a little bit better. They, again, they look like they in cover three. You could t- No, they might be a man. They a man on this one. So yeah. if they're a man on this one right here, then he's truly at a post safety. And they're in the red zone, so you don't really want to go into the end zone, which he does a great job selling his feet right there. Makes a clean break. I would like, nice his, would like his feet to be a little bit more tighter, but I'm nitpicking on that one. But you can see the break and drive on the ball. He comes straight down, attacks the ball, and rips it from the defender. That right there is stuff that gets you on the 53-man roster right there, making plays on the ball. Because like G, like G. Bush just said, you yeah. know, DBs don't play the ball well. This is a kid here yeah. who knows how to play the ball and, yeah. and knows how to finish. That's the thing. You can get there, but a lot of people don't finish. And he finishes by snatching the ball out of his hand, rips it away while they on the ground. So, Because, you know, if you catch the ball with the wide receiver, if y'all simultaneously catch it, it goes to the offense. Right. He does a great job of ripping it from him, taking the ball, so it's clear an uh, interception. He do stuff like this and continue to make plays like this, then this will definitely land him on the 53-man roster.
3: What do you mean when you say you want to be, keep his, fight, his feet his tighter? Feet, his
1: feet. So when you look at his back pedal, yeah. it, his feet kind of gets wide a little bit. Ah, and what okay. happens when you get wide is you step under yourself. But if you keep him close, it's boom, boom. It's a one-two thing. Now, don't get me so wrong. You, when you it,
3: say get under yourself, you mean like, kinda of lose balance a
1: little bit. Yeah, like you step in the bucket, you know, you step with right. your, your weight. So back. you're
3: not as a, put, so when you're able so, to get back. So when
1: you're back when you're back pedaling you yeah. always want to keep your feet down, you want to keep your feet you want to keep your chest down and you want to keep your feet tight. So then you break, if you lean in forward, your body's already forward lean. Right. So you just run out of it and you break on it quicker. If your feet is wide and you back, when you take your break step, your 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 shoulders yeah. go back like this before you go and it's they call it stepping in the bucket. So the fact that he didn't have great footwork going back is
3: even more impressive that he was able to get up and make exactly because
1: if you pre- yeah. uh, but I'm just being nitpicky like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to it. go from good to great right. I'm, tr- I'm trying to make sure yeah, that that's like a great disaster no his, yeah everything just, was, it you know, was good it could be tighter yeah, but if yeah. he made his feet tighter right. his break would be more smoother maybe he
4: catches in and he runs through right. it and and keeps on running that this is just goes to show you the difference between practice and, and regular games. He's able to run through the football in the game because you know he's like, okay, I I got equipment on. Yeah, I got, right, I'm, right. I'm about to jump this route. So yeah, you and, can't and, do that in practice. And think about it like this. Now you got to pull off. How right? many this to me? I don't know, Ty. Let me ask you this: This is this a, a product of Jim Schwartz' defense? Because last year and a lot of years prior to this, I saw the safeties. Playing at nine hundred thousand feet, <laughs> they playing on a Goodyear blimp. <laughs> they playing in the Muni lot. They no safety. Jabril Preppers was drunk. Preppers is still out. He's meaning. still They're out, out in the Muni well, lot that was, waiting on that, that was, next uh,
1: deal. G Dub had us playing at twenty, well, like, and I used to be at practice when I did that OTAs. We lined hell? up at twenty. They, they walked us through why they did it, and I, and I understood why they did it, but
4: I'm like, But if you is... scared, go to
1: church. <laughs> because the way they did it, so G-Dub's defense was. Greg was it, Williams, Greg Williams, by the way. Greg oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G W is Greg Williams. So Greg Williams' defense, by the way, is cover two base. Okay, and the difference between him and everybody else is everybody else pretty much runs cover three as a base. Okay, so you got your linebackers and your down safeties kind of setting the edge. Well, in G-Dub's defense, your corners is the guys who keep contained. Yeah. Okay, and obviously in cover three, they're out of there, but in cover two, they're setting that hard edge, so nothing gets past them. And you're okay, the corners can play aggressively because the safeties are, are 20 yards off. So if anything happens, the safety should be right there to be able to erase it. Yeah. Whereas in cover three, got to stay on top of all your routes. That's kind of what they teach you, stay on top yeah. of the routes. So that's why they slide you off at 20 because if, something, if the corner makes some mistakes or sees something wrong and they fire and take off and it's a pass, yeah. you can erase it. That's why they lined
4: us up like that. I
1: I, I hated it, but that's what it it, it was. What it was. Why
4: why would you put the onus on the smallest guys on the field? Because you want to be
1: aggressive on the run game. So, so the way. Okay, so corner at playing cover two. Corner is like this. You was lined up inside. But you was looking in the backfield, so if you thought it was run, you could take off right now. It ain't no read steps, nothing. Take off and set the edge right now, because that means that you set the edge, they can't get outside of you. They cut it back, and all your linebackers and D liners right there. But if it's a regular cover two, obviously you you press you press the guy up and you you hinge back, and then you come up late. But with G Dub, you off you inside and you pretty much looking at the backfield. And as soon as you rerun, run, you got the right to just trigger. Because you covered, because the safety got your back. If you if you wrong, Man. that's the way they looked at it. Yeah, I guess I would rather have no, my. I don't know how we got on. G, I don't even know how we By got the, on G Dub. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, I was
3: watching. Uh, I was in a, one of one of these uh, Instagram spirals again yesterday. Of, of course, of reels, the rabbit hole, and one of them. I love watching these videos from Travis and Jason Kelsey. They they have some.
0: They're awesome. You know, oh, yeah.
3: hilarious stuff. Uh, one of them was talking about how often they they use soap and shampoo, whatever. But this one time, they were actually talking about football. And Jason, I was surprised, Jason Kelsey said, he he said, including quarterback, he said cornerback is the hardest <laughs> position in football. It is. Because like, you do everything backwards. So, it is. And just that you can't, you lose the guy for a
4: second, you're done. Yeah, yeah, there's, you, you're going to get beat. All
0: but right, you 70% think offensive of lineman would
1: say. I got that. one more play to break down. Yeah, yeah, oh, speaking, yeah. of, speaking
0: of getting beat, we yeah, talked about a very impressive play right Hickman. on. Right. There you go. This was a great transition. He was not a flawless game from the Ohio State rookie. And Tyvus, you can break down this. We have both angles the all 22 and the broadcast angle. We'll start with the broadcast angle. But this is Ronnie Hickman trying to guard Jahan Dotson. Yeah,
1: so this is the thing that gets me about, you know, Jim Swartz's defense.
4: Our safeties. That was that double play.
1: Listen, A couple of weeks ago. Listen. So, so the thing about our safeties is, you have to be able to check. At, at times, you're gonna have to be able to check receivers as well. Usually, in NFL defenses safeties are protected because they're checking tight ends. But in Jim Schwartz's defense, as you know, Malcolm Jenkins had times where he lined up on wide receivers. So for this particular route right here, why did this play go bad? Because. They came out, there in man-to-man, so when they run man-to-man, how they run it, and how typically a lot of people run their one coverage, their cover one, is that you play off outside leverage. You you play on the outside shoulder, so if he runs an out route, you should be all over. If he runs a corner route, you should be all over. Well, in this particular route, Jahan Dotson does a great job of selling that over route. And what happened is Ronnie Hickman understands the the speed that Jahan Dotson got. You see how right then off the snap he didn't even take no read steps or nothing. And Jahan Dotson was on him immediately. So what does that mean is now I need to get on my horse because if he runs this over route, I ain't gonna be able to get there. So Ronnie Hickman in his mind is thinking I need to cut this over route over. He didn't play it, he didn't play it the way he should have played it. If he would have just stayed on the outside pad. Even if Jahan Dotson beat him on the over route, it's a post safety right there on the post route, and it's a whole player linebacker right there. So you got inside help. They tell you that you have no help, but you can see that linebacker backing up right there. Yep. Boom! So you got the inside help. Tell at least he's not going to cut the route, but he's going to buy that time. So the quarterback's going to look. Hold the ball for a second because I can't throw yeah. the whole shot. So it'll buy you time to catch up. So on this play, Ronnie Hickman just get caught guessing yeah. on the route. Jahan Dawson does a great job breaking that thing back out on the out slash seven cut. They yeah. got to do a way better job of tackling because DeAnthony Bell and Ronnie Hickman does a horrible yeah. job tackling right here. If at the worst... I don't care if you get it down on the one-yard line. You defend every blade of grass because you never know what yeah, happens that on that the one-yard line. It's That's been right. so many times people have had a goal line stand, which would have been huge. It would have been a nail in the coffin for the Washington Commanders. So he, they got to do a better job of getting them down. Well, we saw the Browns unable to score inside the five on exactly. their first drive. Exactly. So you, you defend every you... blade of grass. Yeah. I don't care. You always give your defense a chance to come out and play defense. And, and I think your point is on that play
3: right better better to lose them in the middle than on exactly because you got help all yeah. your help
1: they tell you in cover one that right. you have no help that's a lie in yeah. cover one you have help you have a post safety and a hook player all right and in, in cover zero you on your own excellent analysis
3: from Tyvis there <laughs> I uh, by the way what are your thoughts on touchdown and sack celebrations from veteran players in the preseason are we okay with that do
1: you think, will it? Yeah. Why, All right. Why that's the thing that when you're playing, you, you got to be in the hole atmosphere to pass so you're just in the moment yeah you're not thinking it's a preseason no game. no because it's all I it's a really young guy well you got to think about this especially on a sack
4: it's a yeah. relief for a sack because you go going all these practices you can't yeah, touch yeah. the quarterback
3: that's true, true.
4: double team you can't get home they three-stepping yeah. you ball coming out quick and you finally get that set. man
1: it's a par trois.
4: yes
0: <laughs> tyvus you're not here tomorrow so i want to ask this to you bowl and g will talk about this tomorrow so just let tyvus go but okay Hickman had a breakout performance against Washington. What do you want to see from him tomorrow night as in that next progression that he needs to take to make this <coughs> 53-man roster? You talking about Ronnie Hickman? Yes, correct.
1: Well, I think I just he just needs to continue to be where he needs to be, you know? So, like, how I was saying on them post routes, he was caught just a tad bit short, and, he, and it was his his playmaking ability that kind of saved him. Well, now they pointed that out. If we, if they if a good coach has gotten him and did film session with him, they're going to tell him – Why did you be? why were you even enticed by this guy sitting down? Like, you see these linebackers right here just continue to back up. So for him to take that next step, it's about just continuously showing that you understand the playbook, you understand where you fit in the defensive scheme. Because these coaches have to be able to trust you when they, if, if Juan Thornhill goes down, and, and you're the next guy in line, it'd probably be Roddy McLeod, but anyways, let's say you're the next guy in line. Right. That coach's job is on the line. His, he's His name is stamped to you. So if you don't perform, they're not going to say the player's not good. They're going to say, why wasn't your guy ready to play? Why didn't you have this kid coached up to play? We kept him on the 53-man roster because you said that this guy could help us in the fall. So if he didn't get it done, it's on you. So now you playing with a coach's job. So for him, he needs to take that next step of making sure that he understands exactly where he needs to be alignment and assignment sound for the next two games. And like I say, if he makes some plays on special teams, that right there solidifies it. If I was him, I'd go to Bubble Ventron and tell him, you know what, <laughs> special teams is the most underappreciated thing in the game of football. They don't understand the magnitude that we have here. that we could change the whole outcome of a game. What can I do to help this team win games in the fall? Yeah. If he has that conversation right there, Bubba to take it back to Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry and say, you know what? This guy gets it. This guy wants to play for us. This guy yeah. wants to help us win games in the fall so much that he doesn't even care about what's going on defense. He wants to make an impact on special teams. He's truly invested in this organization. They'll keep a guy like no. that. It's all about playing the did game. Did
4: you ever say that? I
1: sure did. Now you think I made the – That's, <laughs> That's
4: where I figured you got it from.
0: It's right here in this paper. Did you see who wrote that down? <laughs> Mikey McDougats. All ahead. right. One last fast read before we get to our last two topics of the day. But tonight, the next edition of the Behind the Glass podcast airs around 7 o'clock. Myself, Anthony Earl, previewing tomorrow's preseason game between the Browns and the – Philadelphia Eagles, what we expect yeah. from DTR, Dewan Jones, Cade York, and some others. <coughs> make sure you guys tap in tonight around 7 o'clock. We will be doing it a little different this time, but I promise you guys yeah. will enjoy it. Couple,
3: couple of quickies before we get to the Shoot. third top 32. Tybus, do we want to discuss why you and I for a minute giggled during Dave Richards' interview, or should we do that off the air?
1: No, we can talk about it. <laughs> I missed it, so please enlighten me. <laughs> we can talk about it. <laughs>
4: Do you want to? Or Go, you want ahead. to? Go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. Hey, do you know why we were laughing? Go ahead. I was looking at y'all, but I missed that one. And had nothing
3: to do with taste, it's <laughs> because Jay, 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 G bit his fingernails and, spit, off. Like, <laughs> and spit out the fingernails and then I just had, we both heard it and I
4: looked at inside and I looked at each other and then we started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, and then I was looking like, what are they laughing at? What are you? That wasn't even laughable. Like, I was like, what happened right no,
1: there? because it was just wild that it just <laughs> wiped past our face like that. Like, i like, look at this is up up for
0: G, guys, let the man bite his finger. I know, it was, but it was funny. <laughs> it was a good one, too. It was <laughs> one <laughs> <I> Trust
4: <laughs> been, me, we know. It was, it was one I've been trying to get for a while, too, <laughs> bro. Know. I'm like, man, I don't want to, like, it's still one of them long ones. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Let me savor this. Back in the day, I used yeah. to think when people used to spit sunflower seeds out, I yeah. used to think those were nails.
3: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I'm like, dang, these dudes' nails guess, is crazy. I guess, uh, yeah.
4: Depending uh, on how you
3: crack it. The second, though, because Tyvis wasn't here for this. So last Friday, we did this draft mm-hmm. where we drafted, like, team names of, sport, of sports teams to make the best force to fight aliens. Right, right, right. right, right. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> was crazy.
4: Wait. It was a dope one.
3: But what we need to do, and I think Tyvus has wait, to be it, there when we do this. The
0: college yes. version.
3: No, no, no. Forget the college version. Is sports media personalities in northeast Ohio.
0: Okay. Like
3: draft a, a team of sports media personalities okay. to be your team. Uh, more not fighting aliens, more like if there was a a a fight between these four teams. Which team would you want? You know what I mean? Oh. I think Tyvis would have fun with that too. I I know I would love to do
4: that.
0: Yeah. We will do that. We we'll have Tyvus involved. Tyvus, hold your thoughts on that until we uh yeah figure out anyway, who's eligible at some point. and who's ineligible but we yeah. do have to get to this right now and that is the continuation of our 32 and 32 series and we're at the halfway point number 16 and that is a guy who has been appreciated at technically, times technically the
3: halfway point is between 16 and 17 but all right we, we didn't use
0: his full name because it's too long so number 16 is jok the abbreviated version 16 and a half the full name is 16 so this is exactly the halfway point point. and bull Yes. He's the highest linebacker on the Browns on this list. Yeah. The three of us were in consensus that he is the most important linebacker on this roster. Yeah. You've disagreed with a lot of our choices and, and selections of this. You agreed with our two yesterday. Yeah. Is JOK at 16 appropriately ranked? Too high, too low, or just right? Who is the
3: best linebacker, former linebacker, that we all know? DeQuayle Jackson. Did DeMario Dequale, Davis. What did the? Dequ- we don't know DeMario Davis personally. Oh, we
0: know personally. But, but by the
3: way, I used DeMario Davis today in, in the Browns. Uh, Immaculate, Immaculate Grid. Immaculate Grid. Or maybe it was yesterday. I can't remember now. But um, DeQuell is the best one we know. What does DeQuell think of of they should. Okay, okay. They should cut him. Uh, they, they should get him.
4: I can't they believe. They should cut him. I can't now, believe he's saying that. Now, the views They're, of the not been updated since we've talked well, to him but, last. Okay. See,
3: now he works for the Browns a little bit, or might. So he can't be as honest. Certainly, can be honest. He can be honest, you know, when he's talking to people behind the scenes. But the Jackson. Arguably the Browns' best linebacker since they have returned in '99. Is there? I don't even know if it's arguable. Is there anybody better anybody um, in the conversation?
1: Demario Davis is the closest.
3: But he,
0: he wasn't better was in Cleveland. One yeah, year. Yeah, he was better. He's the best one who played in Cleveland. What, what about Jameer Miller? Deal. I mean, I, I think, think
4: for the sake it, of it, argument, the is, well <laughs> and he was stuck with all these
3: shitty teams <laughs> around. Yeah, he was If he'd been on a better team, forget about it. So. DeQuell knows that position better than anybody else that we know.
4: <laughs> he got
1: a pocket. He man. said the guy can't play. That's not that he, he was out of pocket.
4: And and, okay. and, Dequell and I was and I, out of pocket. I circled down. back, bull. Yeah. I circled back. That's what makes it, make it even funnier. Is that he doubled
3: down on I what he said. the block he right. said,
4: no, no, no. No,
3: he's out. He doubled now, down on it. Now, all of a sudden, after killing all of us, killing JOK, no, not year, all, not all, most of us. Of us okay, well, I did that. Saying he can't play. The guy who knows linebackers better than anybody said the guy <laughs> cannot play. We, of, all of a sudden now, pretended last year didn't exist and that JOK is a legitimate player because he made a tackle in a preseason
4: game. Hey, whoa, that wasn't an on the, ordinary the tackle. Yeah. When a linebacker come through on a, on a on a screenplay and they clap the ankles and get up faster than the guy on the he ground, that's great play. Watch this play, Ole. Look, Ole Delight. Hush, get under there. Hush. When you clap that That's a great. That's a great play. The first, the the the, the uh, run that back. The fact that that man ran around a block. Get off of me! Don't touch look. my body. Whoosh. Ankle clap. I'm already up into my dance. You see that turn? I'm already in my dance. That is a great A man play, so, and it makes him look like he's an 89 overall on okay. the game. So we've ignored everything Piquel said. Oof, we've ignored everything downfield last year. That boy mid and, that corner.
3: You, know, you know how uh, G, <coughs> G and, and Earl uh, mostly have made the point of saying.